возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это – да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
So before we together continue to study our inheritance that the Lord has covered in his word, the unchanging epigraph of the study of our inheritance in God is Luke 24, 44. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we put on the new way or new form of life. Colossians, or Ephesians 4:22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command, we need to utilize, as we know, three charging and fundamental verbs. And these are, these have been the subject of our study, and these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Specifically in this order, we need to first put something off, then be renewed, and only after that put on. We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-impacting questions, specifically within this order, will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more, or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life? In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question, and this is the conditions that we are to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Everything that God does through man, he does by his renewed mind. And so it is important when there's a renewed mind, then by this renewed mind, you can do something. While the mind is not yet renewed, nothing is possible to be done. And the mind is not able to be renewed until the old nature self is eliminated or removed or this garment is removed. Linked to clothing ourselves into our new person, we've concluded that we need God's help, that is, we need His mercy because the mercy of God is the great and unique power of God, identifying the essence of God, as well as the inheritance prepared for man, born from the seed of the word of truth. The means of receiving any kind of help from God or receiving God's mercy is prayer and worship, the means of prayer and worship. Since prayer isn't just how man communicates with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven to do his work here on earth, and we are called to give God this right only upon his established conditions. One of the prayers of David, written in the 143rd Psalm, accurately revealed the conditions upon which a man is called to give God the right to interlope or interject God's mercy into his life. Let's read it. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in you and your sight no one living is righteous. 
You can confidently take this prayer and pray it to God every day. And you will begin to notice something changing when you will be applying these things to yourself. Everything that David says here is happening with every individual person and every individual person experience specific situations and things. For the, do not enter to, into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness, like those who have long been dead. Therefore, sp my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My spirit and my heart within me is distressed. I remember those days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. Let it be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for I am your servant. Therefore, to be heard by God, David needed to present to God a basis, a cause, or a particular right that would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God to intervene into David's life with his faithfulness and his righteousness. And such evidence in this particular prayer, as we already know, were ten arguments that David presented to God, saying, Hear me. In your faithfulness and in your righteousness, hear my prayer because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works, hear my prayer because I spread out my hands to you. Hear my prayer, for in you do I trust. Hear my prayer because I lift up my soul to you. Hear my prayer because in you I take shelter. Hear my prayer, for you are my God. Hear my prayer for your name's sake. Hear my prayer for your righteousness' sake. And hear my prayer, for I am your servant. All of these are components that need to be arguments that we would be able to present to God. But for this, it is necessary for us, just as David, all of these forms of evidences, arguments, be within our heart that we have this kind of relationship with God in difficult or tight situations or obstacles, when peace is lost, when the person of the flesh begins to rub from one side to the other, you would have a, a real confidence of who you need to reach out to, who you call your God, and who you are for God. And practically, in these ten, David spoke the prayer of our Father. So when we turn to God, we need to speak of who God is for us and what He has done for us and what we would like for Him to do for us or fulfill His will. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument. This was evidence that David abided in faithfulness and righteousness that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies and stop to study the second argument. The second argument is evidence that David presented in prayer that he abided in the memories of the days of old and all of the deeds that God had done in those days. These were all written upon the tablets of his heart. This form of evidence presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest is an example of continual remembrance or a continual memorial before God containing the component of continual prayer. And the breastplate of judgment was created, as we know, 
and purposed only one item. This was the Urim and the Thummim, that, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. That is why, because David had the one and the other, he had the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment inside, of which were the Urim and the Thummim, and any war <coughs> or battle that David was present in, David would say, bring me the ephod, they would bring him the ephod, he would put it on, and would plead with God and ask him, should I go, will you allow me to overcome, will you allow me to take these enemies? This was the only king, only king that was a king and a high priest at the same time and a prophet. A very unique uh, uh, unity of, of things within one person. And he symbolized Jesus Christ. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelation of his Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, that is, his Thummim, that God had done in the days of old. Answering the second question, what purpose is the continual memory of the works of God done by him in the days of old are written upon the tablets of our heart, called to perform in the relationship between the redeemed person and God himself. The breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer. Therefore, prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer, because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter into the holy place as kings and priests of God. We are called to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh in the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon these stones. And for God, this gives him the right to respond to our prayers. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Apostle Paul notes here that this format of continual prayer that is presented in the breastplate of the high priest, in those times, in, in that time when uh, Apostle Paul spoke of these things, uh, people understood what he said. The law still existed, it didn't leave, and all of these symbols of the law, and when he spoke, people had this clarity, and when Apostle Paul spoke of continual prayer, he understood the symbol of the breastplate of judgment. Continuity in prayer identifies a joyous burning lamp identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Proverbs 13, 9. If the, breast, if the lamp uh, dims, if you pay attention, it's still burning. How can the unclean's lamp burn? You may ask, how is, it, how is it continuing to burn? This person didn't immediately become unclean. This was a holy person born from God, and his spirit became a lamp. The... <clears throat> The spirit of a person is a lamp, and when this person began to uh, change his ways, when he began to sway from the paths of God and started hearing voices thinking it's the Holy Spirit and receiving them for the Holy Spirit, his lamp began to die. It is not always that uh, the lamp, uh, when a person, uh, person's lamp begins to dim, that this person is is unclean. If you remember the five unwise 
maidens whose lamps were dimming. It didn't mean they were unclean, but they didn't have sufficiency of oil. The building order of the breastplate of judgment presents and identifies the demands of spirit and truth that the true worshippers of God need to have whom God seeks. Breaking the order of building the breastplate of judgment, identifying the state and nature of the worshipper of God, will not be able to be called the breastplate of judgment as it loses its nature. Here is how Apostle John uh, wrote the wrote about this in the words of Christ, John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I don't know how John was able to hear this, because when Jesus spoke these words, John was not there. He wasn't present. He spoke these words to the Samaritan woman at the well. Nobody else was there with them. But yet, the Holy Spirit reminded them of the things that they did not hear themselves physically. And we today have this for all of us the kind of worshiper God seeks. When will he be at peace and when will he be satisfied when he finds one worshiping in spirit and in truth? Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done in all times and many do today because of their stiff neck and their greed and their hypocrisy. We note that in the Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice, as by the means of the Urim and the Thummim, that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgment. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is revealed as the conscience of a man purified from dead works upon the tablets of whom, just as they sign it, is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh written. Of course, if it is written there, when a person begins to behave out of the, out of the boundaries of the teachings of Christ, uh, our conscience uh, corrects us or judges us or condemns us in accordance to the information that we put into it. And so if we have the correct or accurate information, it will judge us correctly. If not, it will judge us or condemn us incorrectly. In this way, specifically, we have already studied the measurements and the materials from which the breastplate of judgment was supposed to be built and now have been studying the next requirement, which states, Exodus 28, 17 through 21, and you shall put settings of stone in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be Sardius, Tobas, and Emerald. The second row shall be Turquoise, Sapphire, and Diamond. The third row, Jacinth, Agate, and Amethyst. The fourth row, Beryl, Onyx, and Jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a signet. Each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. We note that the 12 golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is the undamaged and presented in its original form truth, identified as the word of God that once came out of the mouth of God, now written upon the tablets of our heart. These 12 golden settings identify the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshipers of God are called to present in our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with the engraved upon them as assigned names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting the perfect judgments of God. 
when a worshiper prays in accordance to the will of God. He understands and he uh, checks that it be exactly in accordance to the will of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were prepared and adjusted in measurement and configuration to the precious stones, but the precious stones, which are our prayers, are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. That is God's will, so that uh, the prayer be in accordance to the will of God, as because when we ask in accordance to his will, we will receive continual prayer in the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the 12 names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal we have until we receive what we are asking for. The building of the breastplate of judgment contains in itself the same order that the 12 precious foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem have to be able to reach God's goals in order to grow or build the kingdom of heaven within ourselves which is also symbolized as the tree of life. The growing of the tree of life within yourself is building of the new man created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth into a house of God. We note that all of the greatness and beauty of the temple was created and for the sake of one holy item, and this was the golden Ark of the Covenant that identifies our, also our conscience. The ephod of the high priest was the same way with the connected to it breastplate of judgment that also uh, demonstrates or symbolizes the conscience of a person that needed to, in great accuracy, duplicate the function of the Ark of the Covenant, the Urim and the Thummim. The Ark of the Covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment presented the conscience of a person purified from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim is light and perfection, that is, the light and the right, revelation and truth. The Ten Commandments that were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant was the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment was the Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. That is the Holy Spirit which is the Urim, that revealed the word of God that we have already placed inside, that is the Thummim. A worshiper of God was able to be only that person that possesses a conscience from that is cleansed from dead works, or a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth of God, which is the Thummim, is written. If the heart is cleansed and nothing else is placed into it, this heart cannot be called wise, it shall be a foolish heart. Why have you cleansed your heart? Why did you cleanse yourself at all? Because uh, cl cleansing yourself or sanctifying yourself is to put something in there until you, ha you sanctify yourself. <clears throat> you can't receive anything from God. You can listen as much as you want, but a, a filthy conscience cannot receive anything else. There's already the writing of sin upon it, and it needs to be cleaned out. And when you do so, you need to put the teaching of Jesus Christ in there, and this kind of heart then is called wise. And so the revelation of God, which is the Urim, was able to be within the boundaries of the truth, that in the heart of a person, <clears throat> is the Thummim, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. I have put wisdom in the heart of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I, I have commanded you, Exodus 31.6. Practically, it's talking about the quality of wisdom that is contained in the Thummim and the Urim, and about the fact that carriers of the Urim and the Thummim are worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. 
Deuteronomy 33, 8 through 11. And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you, Levi, is one who is binded to God, led by the Spirit of God, whom you tested at Massa, and whom you have contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and his mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observe the word and kept your covenant they shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law they shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar bless his substance O Lord and accept the work of his hands strike the loins of those who rise up against him and of those who hate him that they rise not again Deuteronomy 33 8 through 11 you see how God protects or defends the Levites, people who are binded to the Holy Spirit, people that are led by the Holy Spirit. The future of those people that say that they are belonging to the chosen nation of God, but who confront those who carry the Urim and the Thummim and hate them and are jealous of them because of the fact that they don't have the Thummim and the Urim, they await hell and brimstone in a specific format we have already looked at the first qualities of a warrior in prayer in the breastplate of judgment by which god was able to continually reveal his will upon planet earth and have been studying the sixth quality of a worshiper presented upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart by in this precious diamond stone the sixth name in the second row from the bottom upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment of our heart is the name of the sixth son of jacob Naftali, which means wrestler. And Rachel's maid Bila conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naftali. Genesis 37 8. We note that the diamond is a, bril a brilliant stone. It is a pure carbon, and so that is why it contains a great hardness and resistance from many other stones. The word brilliant really doesn't apply to any other stone except for the diamond. This includes gemstones faceted in some other kind of way that isn't the brilliant shine and polish of a diamond. Considering the meaning of the name Naftali, wrestler carved upon the precious stone diamond, a weapon we need to utilize to confront the ba and, ba and battle against our enemies, this is continual prayer and the power of the the Holy Spirit that is in accordance to the requirements of the precious diamond stone faceted with a brilliant polish. Our prayer needs to be faceted so that this diamond would be able to perfectly fit into the settings, the golden settings that are prepared for it. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the name of God we see revealed in the precious diamond stone is in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive. We already know this. Therefore, based on the definitions of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle placed into the foundation of our continual prayer, with which we need to be a continual memorial before God, is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battle battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10, but the Lord is the true God, he is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure his indignation. The name of the living God was a format of an oath. And the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely were completely and utterly destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. 
and they shall be if they learn carefully the ways of my people and to swear by my name as the Lord lives as they taught my people to swear by Baal then they shall be established in the midst of my people but if they do not obey I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation says the Lord Therefore, to not be completely eradicated and eliminated by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai or by the living God. <clears throat> living is the God before whom I stand. And these ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The condition that gives us the right to learn the ways or paths of God or God's commandments and statutes <coughs> to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know him. Psalm 119, 32 through 35, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in you. <clears throat> Until a person desires and hungers and thirsts for his word, nothing will happen. He only gives to those who thirst. We note that the word alive, when it comes to God, <clears throat> means one abiding who is with unconditional authority, <clears throat> defining a genesis, creating a genesis, holding a genesis, keeping a genesis, ruling over a genesis, and commander and lord of the genesis. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 10, 20, and 21. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. He is your praise and he is your God, he who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. <clears throat> the result of swearing by the name of the living God was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. The strength of a warrior in prayer is called to present the unconditional power of God over Genesis. This is why we came to the necessity to determine what goal does God have in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement and actualize his inheritance in God. Per the definition provided in Scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary and first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean and their prayer battles. The calling is not to call, <coughs> bring souls to Christ. God, God brings souls uh, of men to Christ. Many people may think that they brought people to Christ, but... Apostle Paul and, and, and all of his helpers brought people to God, yet it was God who did it. And so Paul, Apostle Paul called himself his, his, his father. And so people who go today and uh, speak things that are of his own and... And he, uh, he, they then called themselves their fathers as well. And so 
Imagine you bring your people out into a park and then send them to different groups in the park. And when they bring a person to the church, will they also be... Will you be the father of them as well? Because in the church there can be only one pastor, but you will have many because uh, all of these people, if they bring someone to God, then they would be considered also fathers over them. Apostle Paul said, I have become a father to you, but if you know that Bonimus, Timothy, they all also preached, but they weren't fathers because they took the seeds of Paul, the word that Apostle Paul gave and passed it on. And that is why they keep saying that this is the book of Apostle Paul. Third, this is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king where a person is able to control his emotional organ with his informational organ, this person cannot be called a warrior in prayer. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral and holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis. Therefore, it is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities. We more than once note that by its nature, the genesis of prayer is the genesis of God. Therefore, prayer does not have a beginning and does not have an end, it has always been the mystery of God himself, because it has always existed existed in his presence as his golden scepter of favor that he stretched forth to the one that would seek his face in performing his will. If, however, anyone dared come to him upon his own conditions, not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor was not stretched out to this one asking, and resulted in this person's prayer being unheard by God considering that the head of a warrior in prayer is God and that God is the initiator of his prayer that he begins and that he finishes. We can conclude that God does not listen to prayers of sinners but only to those who honor God and performs his will, that one he does hear. Now we know that God does not hear sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. John 9.31 In accordance to this place of scripture, God becomes the initiator of a prayer in the situation that a warrior in prayer in the virtue of his worshiper begins to pray in accordance to his will. And further, God is the initiator of the prayer of a man where he begins the prayer and where he finishes a prayer when a person prays in to him in accordance to his will. Because the right to come close to and be forthcoming before God in prayer is exclusively the prerogative of God. No one will be able to or will dare by himself to come close to and enter into God that desires to abide in darkness or mystery in the unapproachable light. Jeremiah 30, 21-22. Their nobles shall be from among them. It's talking about the Son of God. And their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Says the Lord, you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 30, 21, 22. In accordance to this prophetic revelation, we can see that coming near to God or approaching God is the task of one governor that will come from the nation and seed of Abraham. This is the only son of God in the status of the son of man by whom and in whom any born from God and seeking God can come near to and enter into approach God himself. We can't by ourselves come near to God or approach God. We can only in Jesus Christ. God drew him near. Who can draw himself near without 
I chose him from among you, uh, from the, the seed of Abraham, and only he can come near to me. And in him, and in him we can also approach God. That is why from all of the existing forms of service, continual prayer, leading a person into the presence of God is the most difficult form of service that most Christianity, for the most part, avoids, forsakes, and refuses. 1 Timothy 1.18 <clears throat> This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And so to pray, we need to, in accordance to those uh, conditions that are written in Scripture, Apostle Paul offered them the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. To define and build a clear and orderly for a system that will help us understand the nature of continual prayer in the signs identifying a warrior in prayer that would be able to be based on specific commandments of God, giving man the lawful right to swear by the name of the living God, we see that based upon the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer in the, in the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtues of the diamond, needs to be relentless or continual, persistent, diligent or zealous, with boldness, with reverence, with faith and hope upon God, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. We need to note that each of the ten listed qualities are present in each other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. In other words, each of the ten listed qualities are existing in balance in each of the other nine. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the qualities is determined by the presence of the other qualities that together make up a wonderful balance. Nevertheless, each of the ten qualities has its own unrepeated and inherent only to it taste, color, order, and character and behavior, and thus has its own specific face, its own specific application, and its own specific purpose. In a specific format, we have already looked at the signs of the first four qualities, consisting of the nature of prayer as well as the state of a warrior in prayer that identify the atmosphere of his heart. Therefore, we will immediately turn to study the fifth quality within the nature of a warrior in prayer, and this is reverence that we had begun studying in the previous service. The character and virtue consisted in the word reverence is prescribed in prayer as a commandment, as a requirement without deviations, and as an urgent military command. When a command is given to be fulfilled without deviations to confront the organized powers of hell during time of battle, and you disobey or leave it unfulfilled, this is the final separation or break of your relationship with God, which equals vengeance of the second death. Reverence as a virtue in, and atmosphere of the Spirit belongs to the state of a prayer, a prayer's heart, which is called to be present in all things a person does with diligence and from the soul. Continual prayer, a phenomenon with an unearthly genesis, is done within actual time and captures all of time, however, is out of the boundaries of time and prevails over time. To better understand the significance of the quality of reverence, we will look at four questions that will help us understand the essence of the pr pr proposed to us reverence and see the necessity of its presence in our prayer life with God. This is to determine the essence and purpose of reverence, the price for obtaining reverence, keeping and developing reverence, and the fruit and reward for reverence.
Based on the findings of Scripture, the determination of the essence and purpose included in the word reverence, as in the previous qualities of a warrior in prayer, are directly linked to the quality of our faith. In the Webster Dictionary, the definition of the word reverence is a mix of feelings of fear, trembling, and amazement. With this, in the fear of the Lord, with this, in the fear of the Lord, it means the wisdom of God, where a person is familiar with the order of God in, in worship. And this is not emotion, but a person's knowledge. A person is familiar, again, with the order of God's worship. Considering that the word reverence is used in Scripture almost exclusively in regards to a relationship with God and His works. There exists also another side of fear and faith in the Almighty God that does not express reverence and reveals an opposite side of fear that contains suffering. This is demonic fear and demonic faith. An absence of the wisdom of God is the opposite side of fear that contains suffering. As in this fear, there is an absence of love for God. This is a demon demonic fear and demonic faith that also applies to all the unclean. You believe that God, that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. James 2.19. For example, in Hebrew, the word reverence is presented in six different words and in Greek in three different words. In the Old Testament, this word is used more than 400 times in various formats, and usually it is described as fear and delight, or as the the fear of God that, the that is the beginning of the wisdom of God. Therefore, the presence of reverence and prayer presupposes the presence of the wisdom of God or knowledge about how to pray. True trembling or tremor is a reverent attitude based upon knowledge about who God is for us and what God has done for us. True trembling that expresses reverence is readiness of wise and willing obedience to God in which our informational organ subjugates the govern and governs over the emotional organ. It controls it, it rules it. True trembling that expresses reverence is a specific position not only of the heart but also of the soul, identifying all the rest of our following thoughts, words, and actions. That is why we, as the children of God, need to have adequate and appropriate respect and behave, our respectful behavior towards the power and, dom, and dominion of God, towards His absolute abilities to rule and towards His absolute power to fulfill His will and to bring His decisions to life in accordance to <clears throat> in accordance to Scripture we, have been, we had already studied the qualities of reverence to be able to shortly just run through what we uh, have already uh, studied, we will, I will remind us again of what we have studied quickly and we will then continue to study the second question. I will first uh, remind us of the antonyms or the opposite sides of the character of prayer. The antonym persistence is unfaithfulness and something that is uncontinual or so the antonym of audacity is resistance. The antonym of diligence is laziness, the antonym of boldness is audacity, and the antonym of reverence is forsaking and hatred. Psalm 50, 16, 17, But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? 
I will again remind us of the definitions in uh, Hebrew and Greek of the words reverence. Reverence is an expression of love, being filled with the fear of the Lord, the revealing of fear and trembling, carefulness, conscientiousness, being conscious, respect, honor, weight, heaviness, possession, wealth, glory, greatness, beauty, honor, honoring, sanctification, robe, and, and a robe of, sheep, of sheepskin. This is... And also, uh, this is also an island. Island is also a symbol of sanctification, water that separates you from other land. And so for our garments, our, the garments be of, of sheepskin. The word to revere means to hallow God, to reveal faithfulness forever and ever, to express your love to God and His word, to be broken or shattered, to, that means that God will look at uh, one who is of a hum humble and contrite spirit to tremble, to, be to belittle yourself, to be filled with fear, to be struck with fear. This means in a positive way, to receive, to gain or obtain, to make into fear, to crush, break, to strike with fear, to bring into amazement. And when it says one who is reverent is one who fears God, trembling before God, afraid of God, to love God, worshiping God, revealing faithfulness to God, experiencing fear, making, uh, making with yourself or bringing on fear, receiving healing in the rays of the rising sun of truth. This is one who reveres. To revere with goodness is to be filled with kindness or goodness, to be filled with upright joy, to receive good and kindness from the Lord, to have goodwill and well-being, to fill your house with possessions. And so we have already studied reverence in prayer is joyful expression of the love you have for God and His holy name. In this aspect, we also note that the absence of reverence in prayer is not receiving the love of truth for your salvation. Reverence in prayer is the ability to prepare the ark of salvation for your house, condemning the whole world and making us heirs of righteousness by faith. Third, reverence in prayer is the ability to honor God so that He receives the ability to show us mercy. Reverence in prayer is giving God your tithes and offerings and sowing into the spirit, not in the, to the flesh. That means in your offerings to seek uh, the, the hills and meditate about the hills. Reverence in prayer is taking care to purify your heart. Reverence in prayer is the ability to separate uh, deceit from God's truth. Reverence in prayer is to forgive those who sin or offend you <clears throat> and to allow God to judge. Reverence in prayer is the position or state where you, God will then make a covenant of life and peace with you. Reverence, uh, reverence in your prayer is examine ourselves by our reaction and behavior towards God. Reverence in prayer is the condition to be heard by God so that He can protect us and has the ability to protect us from 
from death. Reverence and prayer is blissfulness that saves us from a hard heart and from calamity. Seventh, reverence and prayer is the ability to sanctify yourself. That is through repentance where we receive the ability to separate ourselves from the producer of sin. Reverence and prayer is the decision of a person of God to not counsel with flesh and blood. Reverence and prayer uh, produces great earthquakes and delivers you from shackles and saves you and your house. These are things that we have already looked at in the previous services. <clears throat> the ninth, reverence and prayer, is uh, fear and trembling in its positive aspect that comes from the revelations of the Word of God in the atmosphere of the quiet blowing where God reveals His righteousness. The book of Job 4.12-17 Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it in disquieting thoughts from visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Fear came upon me and trembling which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. You see, when a person truly feels the presence of God, what will happen with him, it stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than, a, than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? Job 4, 12 through 17. The phenomenon of the quiet blowing that promotes fear and trembling, this is the atmosphere where God reveals himself. Reverence can be only present within the hearts of those people who uh, are zealous for God and not those who break their God's altars and present these things as if in their heart but are not so. 1 King 19, 9 through 14. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord will pass by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind of an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. All these things will come before the face of God. They're before His face, but God is not present there. But it... This, these things happen because God is fear because when God is near these things begin to happen and after the fire it still fire a still small voice so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altar altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. In this way, the reverence that is 
born within the heart of a person by the revelation of the Holy Spirit or the appearance of the Holy Spirit in the quiet blowing can happen only in that person whose heart has zeal for God. The zeal that a person has for God, for God is a anger that comes from the heart from for, from those from the heart of those who are zealous for God when the children of God forget the word of truth and turn into God's enemies my seal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your word Psalm 119 139 I become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children because zeal for your house has eaten me up. Psalm 69, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 But earnestly desire the best gifts and I yet will show you a more excellent way. So here it's talking about the uh, delegated authority of God. There are better gifts that you need to earnestly desire. You need to be zealous, you need to desire, uh, and I will show you a more excellent way. Gifts, spiritual gifts cannot open up more excellent ways, but gifts as the delegated people of God can reveal to us more excellent ways. So, second question, what price do the scriptures uh, write or show us or reveal for obtaining and applying and this this equality and atmosphere of reverence. And so the quality of reverence and prayer is the fruit of obedience to God that we are called to bring because of our love for God and by which we are called to enter into His presence with joy. And so the first price for having the presence and essence of the quality of reverence within your heart is the price to obey the revelation of the light of the Urim to the mystery of truth that is within our Thummim. I will read the place Acts 9, 3 through 6. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, it's talking about Saul, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembled and astonished and said to the Lord, What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You see, when reverence, a person has reverence, when a person receives a revelation from God, uh, the Urim to the mystery of the Thummim that is within him. In this situation, the religious hard heart of Saul that was uh, acting not by wisdom but had stopped because of the revelation of the voice that came from the light that was as the light of the sun. And so the and so goads is the, an item 
Does it mention that he had it's difficult to kick against the ghost that are the thummim, which was the thummim that abided within his heart? It was a discomfort for him and suffering at the time. I want to clarify this. This can happen with each one of us, and I've experienced this too. And my wife has experienced this, and maybe uh, others have. When your mind says one thing, your heart says something else. You don't understand. It appears that everything is done correctly, but your heart is saying something different, and you're suffering and saying, Lord, but I've done everything correctly. Why in my heart do I not have peace? I don't have peace there. Paul did not have peace. He learned from the best philosophers and theologians of the time, and he placed inside of himself at uh, 12 years old. He knew the entire five books. He was zealous for the Lord, and he had the thummim in his heart, but he didn't understand it. With his head, he thought very differently, but in his heart, he had the real thummim that he had put there. And so this was the goad that he was suffering uh, with. You're going against what is within your very heart. You are you're acting in accordance to your unrenewed mind. When he received the revelation from above and understood the reason for his discomfort, then he in fear and trembling said, Lord, what do you want me to do? In this situation, the fear and trembling that came from the revelation of the Urim were the expression of the reverence that was revealed due to his obedience. <clears throat> and here are the words that Job wrote around about the Urim that brought his heart into fear before the Lord. Job 36, 32, 33, he covers his hands with lightning and commands it to strike. His thunder declares it, the cattle also concerning the rising storm. There was another story also of Prophet Isaiah when God uh, brought his heart into and allowed it to fear because of his revelations. Isaiah 21, 2 through 4, A distressing vision is declared to me, the treacherous dealer deals treacherously, and the plunders plunder, go up, O Elam, besiege, O media, all is sighing I have made to cease, therefore my loins are filled with pain, Pangs have taken hold of me, like the pangs of a woman in labor. I was distressed when I heard it. I was dismayed when I saw it. My heart wavered, fearfulness frightened me. The night for which I longed, he turned into fear for me. <clears throat> God does this. In your heart, there's one thing. In your mind, there's something else. With the mind, it's hard to comprehend. With the mind, it's impossible to understand. To understand God with the mind, a, a person accepts and rejects God with his heart. And so the price for having within your essence the quality and atmosphere of reverence is born in the price for the right to receive and be conceived by the words of the kingdom that is immovable. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. From this place of scripture, we could see that the kingdom that is immovable is the kingdom of the grace of God. And so we 
To serve God, we need to serve Him acceptably. In this place of Scripture, we see that a kingdom that is immovable is defined as the kingdom of the grace of God by the power of which we are called to serve the good God and serve Him faithfulness, faithfully. And so when we receive the kingdom that is immovable, it needs to happen when we will uh, are willing to obey and accept God's authority or delegated authority over us. Rejecting the kingdom of this world and receiving the kingdom of, of that is immovable, not in accordance to God's condition, is a waste of time, means, and energy, and as an expression of a hard heart. Some want to receive the kingdom that is immovable, uh, as they understand with their own intellect, which testifies of their refusal to pay the price to obtain the quality of reverence to receive this immovable kingdom. We receive the ability to... Uh, uh, to obtain this reverence in the moment when we receive this immovable kingdom of heaven upon the conditions in Scripture, the word acceptably is when what is pleasing to God or as God has placed or written into His Word. The immovable kingdom and the immovable and unchanging within His words, God is the king of this kingdom, is the identification of God's essence and the expression of God. In this world, everything is subject to destruction and we, accepting this world, would have to accept also the God of this world and all the destruction that is present in it. The strive to possess the kingdom of this world, we then place ourselves in dependence of this world and harden then our heart before God and do not reveal before God our holiness that is supposed to be within those who fear him. And we in this way refuse then to pay the price that he has placed to change our character and have the quality of reverence. For example, when Moses completely refused to build the Hebrew kingdom in Egypt and to, and decided then to leave Egypt and met God, upon the mountain did his did his heart become become uh, reverent and did he receive this kingdom that was immovable acts 7 30 through 33 the voice of the lord came to him saying i am god of your the god of your fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob and moses trembled and dared not look then the lord said to him take your sandals off your off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground acts 7 30 through 33 <clears throat> the shoes that he took off of is the uh, being a light to the world to be ready to be a light to the world this is a tool of light and this tool of light is to be used for the world and so when we meet with God we don't need the these shoes we don't need to be a light for God because he is the initial light in his presence you don't need to shine for him because he is the light you need to accept his light when you are in peace then you're ready to give him the revelation <clears throat> and so when you meet with God to receive something from Him, some kind of light, you need to remove your own, remove from your feet, uh, your, your, your shoes from your feet. And these shoes are only to be a light for the world, but a as a warrior in prayer, you don't need them. 
You need to remove these shoes from your feet when you pray. I don't mean phys physical shoes off your feet, please understand me correctly. From these places of scripture, we see that Moses paid the price to obtain reverence by denying this worldly kingdom, who, which he was an heir of at the moment, being the only heir of the Egyptian throne at the time. Refusing this kingdom of the world, that is the throne of Egypt, also meant that Moses refused this wisdom of this kingdom, the wisdom that he understood fully and which included the philosophies and culture of this kingdom and the corrupt uh, dipl diplomatic teachings. We need to understand that the structure of many churches are based upon the wisdom and politics of the world that have nothing to do with, to the, uh, with the structure of the movable kingdom. And for such churches to receive the kingdom that is immovable as then and now <coughs> is mostly uh, explained in two uh, poles, either to allow everything and to be tolerant of all things or a religious uh, a forbiddance of all things. And for about this, Jesus had said, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love Greetings in the marketplaces, Luke 2046. The religious kingdom is a physical order of the kingdom of the world and its essence. Paying for receiving the kingdom that is immovable will be the price for it, will be denying the kingdom of the world and all kinds of sides of the poles of teaching that is corrupt. And receiving the atmosphere of reverence <coughs> Philippians 3, 7 through 9 But what thing were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of, Je of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And so when he says, Yet I indeed also count all things lost, which means I count them as nothing. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. We need to understand that the price to be able to have this quality of reverence is in our heart is making a covenant with God of life and peace. My covenant was with him one of life and peace. I gave to them to him that he might fear me, so he feared me and was reverent before my, my name. Malachi 2.5 The covenant that God made with the nation of Israel on Sinai in circumcising their foreskins had nothing to do with the covenant of life and peace that God gave to the tri uh, tribe of Levi who were to be priests. The covenant of life and peace is not the Old Testament. The covenant of life and peace that God gave to Levi was the circumcision not made of man's hands, but the circumcision of the heart. Otherwise, the Levites would never be able to come near to God, but only they couldn't just circumcise their foreskins. They had to circumcise their heart also. Only then did God make a covenant with them. The temple was a temporary thing where God's presence was real. This body is also temporary, but the presence of God is real inside. 
And so the covenant of life and peace that God gave to Levi was called to be revealed in the circumcision not of man's hands, but the circumcision of the heart. And this is written in Deuteronomy 10, 16 through 19. Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 10, 16 through 19. Therefore, to be able to come to the living God who is true to circumcise your foreskins wasn't enough. You need to circumcise your heart. Otherwise, the priest that would come to God with an uncircumcised heart would be destroyed from his nation. That is why David, as a king and a priest, by the order of Melchizedek, because he was not from the line of Levi, of the Levites, but he was a high priest, he put on the robe of the high priest with the bre uh, breastplate. Because he received the covenant of peace and life, and a circumcision that was not of man's hands, was able to say the words that in no way was able to be for those of the Old Testament. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not input iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Psalm 32, 1-2. This psalm was a teaching and it needed to be interpreted, explained. Based upon the law of Moses, there is no, no such thing that the transgressions be uh, uh, let go and not be inputted to man. God forgave, but he did input these sins to them. Because in the Old Testament, it was proclaimed that I am a God that is long-suffering and have much mercy. I forgive the sins. <clears throat> or punishing the guilts of the fathers to the third, fourth generation and showing mercy to thousands. Uh, but I will not leave uh, anything, any sin unpunished the committing of any sin unpunished. In our situation, making a covenant of life and peace consists of the circumcision of our heart, which identifies is identified as death for your nation, death for your house, and death for the desires of our old self with its deeds. Many holy people who have made a covenant with God in the baptism of water, but their heart remains uncircumcised because they did not leave their nation, they did not die for their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires. And this kind of making of, coven of a covenant of peace and life from our side is possible when we collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ and we leave the position of spiritual childhood. Therefore, the price for making a covenant of peace and life, that is, dying for your nation, for your house, and for your old self with its uh, desires, and you have to pay the appropriate price. Otherwise, we will not be able to have this reverence where we would be able to honor God and receive His favor. Luke 14, 26 through 27, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And further, he cannot be reverent. He will not be able to know what reverence is and can, it will not be able to be present in his heart. 
to pay for the price. Sometimes people make it look as if they are, but we, I remember we had a sister, she, we had guests uh, here sometimes for months and they would stay, and one sister, she was Ukrainian, she wasn't married, and she was about uh, 50 or older, and she always uh, would pray in the middle of the room. I already had about five children and only had two rooms. And we're in one room, we slept with the children and she slept in the other room. And she began to pray, the children are small and run, and she grabs a child and uh, pinches them so that the child uh, shouts. A person can pray and, uh, and, and have this look of, of reverence, yet do these things at the same time. Why she didn't have it was because this poor sister was not taught uh, that you need to leave your nation, your house, and your self she didn't crucify herself she didn't take up her own her own cross she didn't know what the, her cross was and the cross of Christ she was not able to be then a student of the Lord in result and was not able to be reverent fourth price for having within your essence the quality of reverence is contained in the price of the ability to bear to God the fruits of righteousness, Isaiah 29, 22-24. Therefore thus is the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not, shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will allow my name, hallow my name, and hallow the Holy One of Jacob, and fear the God of Israel. The, these also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who com complained will learn doctrine children who, which are the work of God this is a symbol of the fruits of our spirit that we have grown because of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit revealing the mysteries of the seed of the Word of God by that we had been conceived by by in our time we're talking about such children that have died and that a person was not able to see again based upon the prophecy when we see the work of the of God of the hands of God in the fruits of resurrection because the fruits are the fruits of resurrection we've buried a lot of promises of God within our heart and in order for them to be resurrected they need to resurrect we receive them in the form of a seed we rejoiced but in order for there to be fruit, you need the uh, seed to die. And when the seed dies, we think that's it. In our life, this will no longer happen. This is probably not for us. But God says when they will see their children res uh, resurrected, the fruit of resurrection, we will receive the ability to, with holiness, honor the Lord and be reverent before him. First Kings 17, 15 through 24. Here we see the story of the widow when when a woman saw the fruit of the resurrection, when she saw her son resurrect, then did she accept this person that he truly is a person of God. So she went away and did according to the words of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which is spoke by Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. 
But if you remember, he told her, you will not die, you and your son will not die if you first give to me, and then for you and your son. And she went and did it, as he had said. And after this, the son of this, of this woman got sick, and he had no more breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her, her hands and carried him to the upper room where he was st staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray let the child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house. Upper room is pretty much next to the roof, and gave him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. When Israel sees his, his children, the work, works of his, of his hands, when I will show a resurrection, when the Lord will reveal the fruit and will show us our fruits, then we will have this reverence and truly miracles uh, will start happening. They already are beginning to see them. When they see their life changing, people seeing their life change, maybe not everything, but I will give you this confidence that soon in our generation we will be dressed into, our res into resurrection. Our bodies here will begin to become young. All our sicknesses will be gone. And this will be terrible, this will be fear for those around us. Uh, this work of God, you will bring fear upon men when this fruit of resurrection that we're talking about, that we're learning about, studying about how to be dressed into this new person with his works, into the fruits of resurrection. We meditate, we study about it, we think, we meditate about it and pray about this, and God will say, in his time, it's enough, and he will dress you, because the confessions of the faith of the heart will happen. It will do its work, and that is when you will bring fear upon men. And those who said that you're a heretic and that they are the real Jews, they will come and bow before your feet. That is what it says, and God will fulfill his word, for he is unchanging in his words. Let us bend our knees, whoever who is comfortable, and we will pray, and the Lord bless us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I worship upon this holy place with your nation, with your holy ones, with your bride, with your chosen remainder. My heart is overfilled with fear and reverence, and I thank you that I can dress into your reverence. I thank you for the fruits of resurrection in my heart and the hearts of your holy people, the fruits that have already changed them, 
they, in new ways, see you. They see your church in new ways, different ways. They begin to see in your house satisfaction and comfort. They come to your house to be comforted and to have peace. They begin to come here to receive revelations in the light of your Urim. They began to prepare their heart to listen to your words. They began to study and research and submerge into your word. May they be blessed before your face now and forever. May your reverence be, your favor be upon them. May you stretch forth your golden scepter upon them. May sicknesses and weaknesses be cursed within their bodies. May they be dressed into the fruits of resurrection that are within them. I thank you, Father, for the fruits of life for the tree of life, uh, for the kingdom of heaven, for your son, Jesus Christ, that is this kingdom of heaven that is within us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Glory to your holy name. May your mercy be blessed for, and your truth for all your people all over the face of the world. Allow us to see your mercy. Allow us to see your mercy within our children. May our children that today are literally dead for you today. May they become alive in accordance to your word. This will happen not just in the fruits of our spirit, but this will happen also in our children that of those who are upon the fields of this world that have broken their covenant with you. But because for the sake of your covenant with us, give mercy or show this mercy to our children, return them home, return them to your church, give us the ability to rejoice here on earth. We know that they will not leave unsaved, but we want for you to show your glory and your mercy that we in the fullness of our heart would be able to rejoice and be able to say that me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We thank you, Father, that we can pray to you in accordance to your words. We thank you for the breastplate of judgment that presents the format of our continual prayer that speaks of the fact that we know your will and that we pray in accordance to your will. We want you to to fulfill your will for us. Prayer is your will. Your nation, for thousands of years, was in ignorance, was struck by many kinds of plagues, and lays in, your, in ashes. But you are beginning to lift your people out from the ashes and are beginning to dress them into your royal garments, return the, your, you gave them a ring, you put shoes on their feet so they may be, be a light to the world, and we thank you for this. We glorify you, we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you.
And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.